Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mike, take out your counseling. <laughs> no, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, counseling isn't a word. <laughs> That's why I'm going to do it again. Good. All right. Found our new cold open. <laughs> Sup, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty partner in NBA Jam when we're not playing against each other, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Boom shakalaka. I'm doing well. <laughs> that is good. I am glad to hear it. Before we get into anything, though, let's do a teensy tiny bit of housekeeping. Eric, I heard we've got some new friends on our Patreon team. We do. We have so many new friends. In fact, they would fill up an entire basketball team, plus awesome people saying sick burns on the sidelines. Very essential to a good basketball team. Very, very good. So our new patrons are Pia Mickles, Samuel Miner, Catherine Addington, Zoe Cop Weber, Mary Sturm, and Ann Baird. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And Samuel Miner, there's something extremely interesting about you. You signed up to be a producer-level patron, so you get to join the ranks of Teal. Everyone knows you are extremely good at secret handshakes, so we appreciate you so much for supporting the show as a producer-level patron. Secret handshakes are very important. They're a big part of NBA culture, so I'm very glad that Samuel is good at them. The best name that I know for people who are good at handshakes or the chemist like they're the ones like putting all the elements together so like these are some chemistry majors right here and samuel Mm minor is also a chemistry minor there was a study on steve nash because he high-fived his teammates so much there was an article that did a deep dive on whether or not his high fives improved team morale and thus team success. And they actually did find a bit of correlation between how many times he was giving people affirmation with high fives and stuff and the performance of the Phoenix Suns. So high fives are important. That's adorable. (laughs) You guys are important to our success. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we cannot thank you enough. So let's get into our first segment of the show, which is full court press. Get it like the news. Wait, can you explain that to me? I don't. So a press is... (laughs) We're going to start off with some sad news, and it's that Manu Ginobili, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, easily Argentina's best player and potentially best person, given that Lionel Messi keeps sucking at soccer. Get him. Uh, <laughs> he's so much better at soccer than anything I will ever do in anything. But uh, a couple of days ago, Manu Ginobili announced it on Twitter with a picture of him walking out of the Spurs arena with the caption underneath saying, today, with a wide range of feelings, I'm announcing my retirement from basketball. Immense gratitude, that's in all caps, to everyone in parentheses, family, friends, teammates, coaches, staff, fans involved in my life in the last 23 years. It's been a fabulous journey way beyond my wildest dreams. So this is very Manu of him to do. He was never one about flash or style or him being important as an individual. He was the ultimate person concerned with team success. That's why he was the quintessential six man, always being willing and able to come off the bench if it meant team success. He was one of those first international players to come in and have a different style of play where there was lots of flopping and all kind of stuff like that. And I didn't like him at first, but as his career went on, I just grew to absolutely love the guy. He's such a hard worker and you just can't, you can't knock his effort. It's so amazing and infectious. He's also a phenomenal actor in those Spurs H-E-B commercials. Manu's just so great. And I'm, I'm sad. I wanted farewell tour Manu year, but I'm not surprised he did this. First of all, I'm sorry to hear that Mike hates tricks. He has no tricks, no <laughs> tricks on the court, no tricks in his life. Manu Ginobili, get it together. Second of all, what do you said about your <laughs> horse is my time to say dramatic things about you. And I appreciate it for myself. <laughs> the fact that the NBA is becoming a global sport is amazing. I mean, the fact that sports can unite 
an entire globe together in a way that only kind of like soccer has been able to do with the World Cup. And like, that's not even that idealistic when you think about it. But the NBA has really made strides to bring the world together, both in Western and Eastern Europe, in South America and in China. It's really cool. And I'm really happy to hear that Manu Ginobili is getting the recognition that he deserves. Also, Manu Ginobili is the last vestige of that amazing Spurs team with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and himself. So Yeah, there was some sort of statistic like the last time a Spurs game happened with not one of the three of them on the roster was in like 94 or something. Oh so my God. it's very much the end of an era. Yeah, Manu Ginobili came into the league at a time when drafting international players was this big risk, where it was this big unknown and are they going to be able to play? He was the 57th pick in the draft. That's so crazy. He was in the second round almost didn't make the draft and he is going to be a hall of famer no question and it is crazy that in 1999 when he was drafted it was this big scare of is this guy even going to be worth the 57th pick in the draft whereas if you go back and look at the 99 draft like he's going top 10 no question he had some amazing moments along the way in his career my favorite of which is when he slapped a bat out of the sky in the middle of a game what that was the best i don't know you this. don't know about this no what Oh my goodness, it was a game, I don't know when it happened, it was like mid-2000s-ish, and there was a game going on, and they had to stop the game because there was a bat inside the arena, and it was flying around near the court, and it was being distracting, and Manu Ginobili just kind of like looks to his left, looks to his right, looks to his left, and then just swats in the air, and he hit the bat out of the sky, and then they got rid of the bat, and then the training team had to check him for cuts to make sure that he didn't have rabies. <laughs> I will put a link to this video on the episode description of horsehoops.com. But yeah, it's amazing. It's like easily one of the best Manu moments in his entire career. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious, and I love it so much. Thank you, Manu, for <laughs> defending us. Manu Ginobili, Vampire Slayer. Yeah, he should have got Defensive Player of the Year just for that. He kept everybody safe from potential rabies. Thank you. Thank you, Manu. I'm glad we can end that on somewhat of a happy note. Hopefully, we will get some sort of Manu honor night at the Spurs. That'll be fun to watch. Yeah, the Spurs coach, Greg Popovich, will come out, hold the mic up, oh, and man. just say, thanks. And then I'll go back to your seat. <laughs> Probably. The other piece of news has to do with the WNBA. So currently, at the time of recording, the NBA is in the worst part. We are in late August, early September, which is the worst part of the NBA. It's funny because the NBA is basically like an 11-month out-of-the-year sport now. There's only one month where nothing really happens. And even now and then, there's some drama. But right now, we're in the like, nothing is going on. But... The WNBA is firing up because it is currently the semifinals in the playoffs and things are heating up. Bow, bow, bow. I am very invested because I live in Seattle and Seattle has a very good team. Brianna Stewart is the MVP. Sue Bird, who we talked about previously, is it's a your girl, Sue Bird. Yeah, girl. Their team is phenomenal. I went to a game live and saw them play the last game of the regular season against the Dallas Wings. And yo, it was so much fun, and those girls can hoop. They can seriously ball so much. I feel bad that I am as surprised as I was, but the shots that they are drilling and the passes that they are throwing were phenomenal. They were incredible. The WNBA is so fun. People are sleeping on it so badly. I've been watching all of the playoffs ever since I went to that last regular season game, and it's so good. They're incredibly gifted. Yeah, dude. They're professional basketball players. I wish I was there. I know. It was very, very, very fun. So what happened in the news recently is that there were some fake quotes surfacing on Twitter of WNBA players supposedly trash-talking and bad-mouthing NBA players. None of the quotes were real, but people were circulating them as if they were. I don't know where they actually came from. Probably from the brains of people who suck. Yep, easily. The main two were Skylar Diggins-Smith, who plays for Dallas. There was a fake quote from her saying that LeBron was unskilled. And then there was a fake quote from Brittany Griner trash-talking Tyler Johnson, who is a player on the Miami Heat that makes a lot of money but isn't that good at basketball, comparatively to his salary, saying that she was complaining about how much money he was making even though he's not one of the best players in the league. Both were very false, but the WNBA players used this as a way to bring up the concern that they aren't getting enough money. A lot of them, when it's the offseason of the WNBA, they go overseas to play in other leagues because they get way more money playing internationally than they do in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. And the big issue that it boils down to is that the percentage of income 
from the league that the players get is only 23%, whereas in the NBA, it's 50-50. And it's so, it's so weird that that is how it breaks down. It doesn't make any sense because, sure, you can say maybe a WNBA player shouldn't be making $30 million a year like LeBron is making because the NBA is that much more popular or whatever. Fine. But... There's no reason for percentage-wise it not to be the same. It's like the women, they have to pay a tax just to be able to do the thing that they're best at. And that's like where the disparity comes from. I mean, we're talking about massive numbers, massive salaries. We're talking about the the wage gap. It's not going to be any more disparate than at the highest levels of money that they can be paid. I mean, LeBron is the best player in the league, and he's making $30 million, right? But Skylar Diggins-Smith, on the other hand, is a three-time All-Star. She is an all-WNBA player, which is... Is like the top five players in the entire league and she's making mm-hmm. in the low millions the mm-hmm. disparity the percentages like i mean this is magnitudes different from the amount of the salary and they are still professional players they looked at some of the stats and some WNBA players were voicing their concerns on twitter a big thing is that nba referees make more than WNBA players <sighs> and another thing they brought up is that the average salary of say the last person on the NBA team, like the 14th man, that is about what the best player on any WNBA team is making. And that is just not how it should break down. Jesus. So I guess all you can do is go out and support your WNBA team, right? Totally. You should. I'm glad that it seems that the WNBA is getting more and more notoriety. Honestly, I am very proud and I'm very happy that Shea Serrano has been very actively tweeting up the WNBA because he's the type of person that could influence a bunch of people who really like sports and are currently in this doldrum of basketball where there's nothing really going on. Watch the WNBA playoffs. Go for it. So I... Support these ladies. I support these women. I hope that they can do a new collective bargaining agreement whenever that happens and they can just bump that 23% up to 50-50 like it should be and hopefully it doesn't become an issue because the WNBA has had problems where sometimes the best players choose not to play in the WNBA so that they can get more money and that shouldn't happen. If America's whole big thing is we have basketball and we're the best at basketball, pay our women accordingly. Yeah, there's actually been a lot of really good coverage of the WNBA and the ringer and i would love mm-hmm. to link to some of those articles in our episode description on the website so keep an eye out on that we'll put a couple for sure mike take out your counted fingers because it's time for three on three. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. My counted fingers? Your counting fingers. <laughs> oh, my counting fingers, as opposed to my regular fingers. Exactly. You don't have specific fingers that you count things on? <laughs> yes, they're called my toes. Uh, <laughs> got them. You yes and that, and I appreciate it. Yep, you know, just trying to do my part. But yeah, I'm ready for three on three. Three on three. Remember back in episode one when I talked about how I could convince my mom to listen to horse? And I said that the way that I would do it is by talking about Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson. Are we going to do NBA relationships? Well, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. Oh, nice. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't wait for Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian. (laughs) We are actually not doing that one. They're not that interesting. What, did they last for 72 days or something? It's like you had the number in your head. Is it 72? It has to be. It might be a little less. I don't know. I'm going to go into that on 5 on 5, which you can find on Patreon at patreon.com slash oops. But this idea was reignited for me from Teal, who took our multitude survey and asked us to talk about player relationship scandals and drama. And you know what? I'm going to do just that. I love it. I think I know one of them is going to be, but I'm going to wait so that I don't ruin the surprise. Good, because I'm going to do that second. Because first, I'm going to do basketball player relationship goals. These are three current relationships that are something that I want to emulate or I think has a larger impact on the world, which I am very happy Oh, so good ones. Yeah, good ones. Nice. Hashtag relationship goals. This first one is near and dear to me in my heart because number three is Baron Davis and Laura Dern. Oh, this one is so good. good. I learned about this last year and I was mad that I didn't know about it earlier. They only actually started dating at like the turn of the year. So like right, right at the end of December in 2017. And then it kept going into 2018. I cannot confirm they're still together because Laura Dern is pretty locked down on that. But all of the news that I got was from December 28th, 2017. Okay. For people who don't know, Baron Davis is a retired NBA star, most notably in the 2000. 
2007 playoffs, he led the Warriors before Steph Curry. They were seeded number eight against the Dallas Mavericks, who were the number one seed, and he led them to defeat the Mavs in a total sweep. They were the We yeah. Believe Warriors, so he's like super impactful. He wore number one. He had a headband on and a really big beard. He was awesome. He's still awesome. Oh, yes. And Laura Dern, you might know from Jurassic Park or Big Little Lies or the new Star Wars movie. She is also extremely awesome. Wait, hold on. She's pretty Dern cool, if you ask me. <laughs> Dern Tootin. <laughs> so, Mike, let's jump into the pages of Us Weekly. Oh, not a fun blue skidoo. <laughs> let's blue skidoo in Us Weekly. As the Big Little Lies star... 50, stepped out of the Beverly Hills Hotel on December 20th, NBA star Baron Davis was doting on her. An eyewitness tells Us Weekly that following a lunch date where the pair was talking, laughing, and having a great time, the athlete, who's 38, go Laura Dern, carried the actress's mm -hmm. purse as the duo packed on PDA. So, just like, good for them that they can still find love in 2017, 2018. I just really like the pairing. I think it's great. I also have a soft spot in my heart for Baron Davis because he was on my team in NBA Live 2005, and he led my pretend Houston Rockets to multiple pretend NBA championships. Baron Davis was absolutely unstoppable in that game. And now he found love, but real love and not digital love. Also notably, the only other time that I saw a news article about Baron Davis and Laura Dern was when Laura Dern was at the 2018. Golden Globes. And as you might have remembered, that is when Laura Dern and a bunch of other actresses really started the Time's Up campaign in earnest. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit of coverage about the fact that she didn't bring Baron Davis as her date. People just totally missed the point that Laura Dern was doing something, starting this socio-political movement, and she didn't necessarily want to focus on her date. Like he kind of, I hope that they weren't broken up, but it sounds like that he just respected her privacy and like power to just go out and do this. So I thought that was really cool. Man, well, I wish nothing but the best for them both. Yeah, good for Baron Davis. And in a sincere way, not in an insincere way like Alanis Morissette in uh, You Oughta Know, <laughs> which I realized I just accidentally quoted. <laughs> you ought to know that Baron Davis is extremely good. That's an Alanis Morissette quote. Bank on Ooh, it. Wonderful. Didn't know she was so big enough basketball. Yeah, she super loves it. She's a Toronto Raptors fan. Oh, that makes sense, because she's Canadian. Yeah, isn't it ironic? And they have one team. <laughs> I got one hand in my pocket, and the other one is calling for a pass in the post. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Let's continue. I mean, you shouldn't wear basketball shorts with pockets in them. That's bad for people's fingers. They can get caught in them and then jammed. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> Okay, number two is Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe. Now, Mike, let me hit you with some love right in your face. So, okay. Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe officially met while they were competing in the Olympics. In the 2016 Summer Olympics, Sue Bird is a basketball star, and Megan Rapinoe was on the USA Women's Olympic soccer team. And that's where they Whoa. met. Oh, Rapinoe, I know her. Yeah. Yeah. So they're basically just like chilling out, being the best at their sport, kicking ass, getting gold. And then they're like, hey, we both have gold medals, and we were just hanging out in a foreign country being amazing athletes. Let's just hit it off. That's so good. I didn't realize. Oh, Megan Rapinoe's the really good one with the like platinum blonde hair. Oh, my God. That's a. This is my new favorite couple ever. It's amazing. Well, it's so good because they're both in sports that women in America freaking dominate at. Nobody can touch the women's basketball team when we come around the Olympics. It's an absolute stomp fest. And usually our women's soccer team is very good, though I think we did not do very well in Rio. But hopefully we can avenge ourselves, especially the Women's World Cup, which is better than the Men's World Cup. Hot yes, take. it is. The United States men didn't even make it and the women just crushed and won everything. And they've won it three times. They're so good. They're amazing. Let me knock this up even more cute and adorable. Are you ready? <gasps> Tell me they adopted a cute baby. Well, before that, <laughs> Sue. Okay. <laughs> before that, Sue Bird gave an interview with ESPNW in July of 2017. And that's when she officially came out as liking women. Also, <laughs> I, did she come out and say hello i like women well, she <laughs> Just, said i'm gay but i okay. didn't want to i didn't want to put labels on sue bird i don't know sue bird that's true we don't know exactly where she falls on the spectrum i just think it's fun i think it's a funny phrase hello my name is sue bird and i like women more people should just say like hey what they like i just like that that sounds good sue bird says i'm gay megan's my girlfriend there aren't secrets to people who know me 
I don't feel like I've not lived my life. I think people have this assumption that if you're not talking about it, you must be hiding it like it's a secret. And that was never the case for me. So she's just like awesome. having a relationship and like doing her thing. And Sue and Megan are like eating scones and kicking ass at their respective sports. And she's just like, yeah, yeah I guess I should probably tell people I'm gay, huh? Should probably do that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Good for Sue Bird. Yeah, good for them. They sound great. Yeah, good for both of them. Sue and Megan, if you're out there and you're listening, just like, I love your relationship. Keep doing what you're doing. Do good things. Hey, fun fact that I just looked up. Last year, Sue Bird led the WNBA in assists per game. And the year prior, she led the WNBA in three-point shooting percentage. Oh, shit. Sue Bird is very good at basketball. That's very talented. That doesn't surprise me, but like, damn. Yeah, she's great. All right, Mike, are you ready for the number one FBA couple hashtag relationship goals? I can't think of what would be better than that. That was so heartwarming. Although it's heartwarming and wonderful, I have a relationship that changed the course of NBA as we know it. Whoa. All right. Lay it on me. I am talking about Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. (laughs) They're so good, too. They are so good. Gabrielle Union, of course, was in Bring It On, and she's an amazing actress. So she's pretty popular, and Dwayne Wade also has been an NBA star for a while. So people know about their relationship, but I want to focus on one specific moment in their relationship. Is it the banana boat? It is the banana boat. Yes. Okay, you got to give a little banana boat backstory to people that don't understand. Quick primer, the banana boat team is LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, and Chris Paul, who are all like, at one point, were like top 10 players in the game. So Mm -hmm. when you refer to the banana boat, it's these four guys who are all really good friends, and they had this dream that they were all going to be on the same team together. This actually happened a little bit. LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were on the same team on the Miami Heat with Chris Bosh. And now Chris Paul has just gotten Carmelo Anthony to sign with the Rockets. So they're on the same team. Now, the reason why they're called the Banana Boat is actually because of Gabrielle Union. LeBron and his wife, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, Chris Paul and his wife, and Carmelo Anthony and his wife all went on vacation in 2015. They went on this cruise and just like this island adventure. While they were on the cruise, Gabrielle Union saw that there was a banana boat tour that people could go on together. And I don't know if you know what a banana boat is, but it's like this massive bright yellow float that gets pulled around by a motorboat. So it turns out that Gabrielle Union saw this and peer pressured all of these NBA players to do it with her. And they're like, oh, we don't want to get wet. We don't want paparazzis to take photo of us. But she put her iron will down and told them that they were going to get on the boat. So Gabrielle Union, LeBron, her husband, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul all got on this banana boat. And they're just like having fun, looking ridiculous, straddling this bright yellow floaty. And of course, even though Gabrielle Union said it wasn't going to happen, Paparazzi got a photo of all four of them on this float and they all look ridiculous. Oh, I thought it was Carmelo who took the picture. Paparazzi taking it is less fun. Carmelo's floating out there with like a waterproof camera and he's like, all right, everybody smile. (laughs) everyone say NBA championship NBA championship and then he takes a picture she kind of changed the way that superstars think about each other and how they can be on the same team and there's a lot of player agency I'm sure that these guys were talking about it like there's all these rumors that when they go to Olympic basketball camp together they like all try to discuss how they might get on each other's teams but Gabrielle Mm -hmm. Union put together a situation with like a name that people can just kind of point to about like current superstar culture which I think is awesome just because of her relationship with her husband. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. I'm so glad that they made it number one on your list. Now, give me the bad ones. Oh, Mike, they're so bad. (laughs) I know they are. I'm very excited. (laughs) Mike, they're they're just so terrible. So this is in no particular order because they're all trash. (laughs) They're tied for number one. My number three NBA blow up. Did you know that Tony Braxton might have blown up the Dallas Mavericks? Right, because didn't she date everybody on the team? That is not what happened because you are part of the NBA rumor mill from the 90s. I'm oh, extremely no. surprised with you. Time traveling, Michael Schubert. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay, so in 1996, the Dallas Mavericks had a promising young core that they called the Three J's. 
I know. They're so good at branding. In addition to calling them the three J's, I think they also tried to call them JJJ Ranch to play on the Dallas Maverick aspect of it. Very bad nickname. They did. It was so bad. <laughs> So the core was Jason Kidd, Jim Jackson, and Jamal Mashburn. Huge compliment for Jim Jackson being included with those two. I know. It's not on their tier at all. Also, they were all under 25, which is also just kind of adds to this volatility that I'm about to say here. According to unsubstantiated legend, Tony Braxton went to an Atlanta hotel to pick up her date, which was Jason Kidd. But people say that when she went to the hotel, she then left with Jim Jackson as her date. Wow, big up for Jim Jackson. No one even knows if this actually happened. Just everyone says it. There's no security tapes that confirm Tony Braxton was there. Tony Braxton has never spoken about it because she's a saucy R&B singer who doesn't kiss and tell. No one understands what exactly happened here. But by the end of 1996, Jason Kidd had demanded a trade. So he got traded to the Suns by December of that year. Jackson was then traded later that season as well. So, like, this was the final straw. This core just could not hold it together. And this one rumor about Tony Braxton of Unbreak My Heart just tore them apart. Unbreak my heart. Say, say love you love me again. again. Yeah. Uh, see, that wasn't copyright infringement because we sang it so badly. All three of them have been asked about this Tony Braxton thing for years, and all three of them deny it. Jackson said, I don't know how many times we have to say it. He says it, I said it, it never happened. That's ridiculous. Jason Kidd then said, I've never even met her, but those types of things hurt a young team. We didn't know how to handle it. So for number three, we're not even talking about a real relationship. We're just talking about a rumor of a relationship that ruined everything. I was looking at Tony Braxton songs to try to make some sort of pun using a song title. But the problem was, A, I don't know any of her songs that got popular besides Unbreak My Heart. And also, a lot of these song titles are just about someone not being a man. One of which is called He Wasn't Man Enough. And another one called Just Be a Man About It. I bet if it's in like really smooth R&B voice. It doesn't sound as petulant as, bad. as you just read well, she, she also has one called I Love Me Some Him. <laughs> also good. Thank you, Jody Braxton. I love me some him. I love me. That's what I'm going to say the next time that we play uh, NBA 2K together. I'm going to score and I'm going to be like, mm, I love me some him. <laughs> Thank you, LeBron. Love me some him. Love him. She also has one literally titled Another Sad Love Song. (laughs) She was really sad. She had a lot of sad songs. And this was only in 1993. This is like when her career just started and she was already naming it. Uh, It's another sad love song. There's so many love songs. What am I supposed to do? (laughs) I'm Tony Braxton. And this is what I sound like. (laughs) Identical. Exactly the same. So number three, I didn't have a relationship that actually broke up. So I'm going to make up for it on number two. Number two is the broken relationships of Tony Parker and Eva Longoria and Brent Berry and Aaron Berry. Oh, God. Tony Parker's an idiot. I'm sorry, but you're married to Eva Longoria and you cheat on her. What are you what are you doing? She seems so wonderful, and she's also very attractive, and she's very good at her job. I don't... Uh, Tony Parker. She was so good in Desperate Housewives. What are you doing? And she's also really funny in her cameo appearance in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She seems great. She had at least two episodes to build character, and we appreciate that. <laughs> okay, here is the sad story. Eva Longoria broke up with Tony Parker after three years of marriage because she discovered that he had been exchanging a barrage of personal text messages with a female friend. And according to reports in 2010, it turns out that that female friend was Erin Berry, the then wife of Brent Berry. Oh, no, I had no, what? I thought it was just some random person. No, the reason why is that Tony Parker and Brent Berry were teammates on the Spurs. And that's how they met. Oh, no. Tony. (laughs) At the top of this Daily News article, there's a photo of the two then couples hanging out on New Year's Eve. It's very sad. Oh, no. Oh, you big French idiot. It's really bad. This is so tawdry. I knew about this whole thing, but I didn't know it was this bad. No. It turns out that they were just like sexting and texting each other. And like, 
whatever they didn't have a physical relationship but like it's kind of up to you and your own relationship to what constitutes cheating or not and like yeah it sounds like she found texts and texts and texts about this and of course tony parker met Aaron barry when tony parker and brett barry were teammates it's so uh, bad oh no oh no this makes me very upset the only good thing that came from this breakup, and I will put a link to it in the episode description on horsehoops.com, is right after Eva and Tony split, there was a road game in which Tony Parker was playing. And you know how in NBA games, people sitting behind the basket will use things to try to distract players while they're taking free throws, either those inflatable thunder sticks that make the noise or the oh, hold no. up big signs or whatever. Someone just had a giant cardboard cutout of Eva Longoria from oh, like Desperate Housewives God. promotional material and just held it up in the air while Tony Parker shot free throws. A lot of the time I think that's obnoxious, but like that's deserved. Like come that, on. It's, man. Deser- it's very funny and it's deserved. If you're going to be a philanderer, then, like, don't have a job where a ton of people are going to see you publicly all the time. Also, if you're married to Eva Longoria, don't cheat on Eva Longoria. Don't cheat on Eva Longoria. Don't cheat on anybody. Don't cheat on anybody. Don't cheat on anybody. Ugh. An especially star of stage and screen, Eva Longoria. (laughs) Star of what? Stage and screen. What is stage and screen? She's a star on the stage and also on the screen. Oh, I thought this was like some movie that she was in. <laughs> stage and screen starring Eva Longoria and Chris Pratt. Oh, it would. Uh, I'm really sad because Brent Barry is also really good, too. He yeah, he's is an NBA analyst sometimes on NBA TV. He also makes cameo appearances on The Starters, the NBA podcast run by NBA TV. And he's very nice and he's very funny. Oh, man. You know who should get together? Eva Longoria and Brent Barry. That'd be so much better. That would be great. I know this was in 2010, but like, let's put this out there and like secret <laughs> yeah. it eight it's, years in the future. It's never too late to find love. The saddest part about this is that the Parkers were reportedly good friends with the Berries, so they hung out on New Year's <laughs> Not Eve. Not anymore. <laughs> and they went to Eva Longoria's restaurant in L.A., and like they all hung out. Also, it's called Beso, which is Spanish for kiss and terrible. Uh, oh, I thought it was going to be called Eva Namgorias. <laughs> It's terrible. All right. So I'm going to move on to the worst relationship of all time. Mike, can I guess? Can ready? I guess? Can I guess? Okay. Yeah, you can guess. Is it Madonna and Scottie Pippen? It is not, but that is <gasps> a very good one. Oh, okay. This is a bonus one, which I'm not going to really explore, but did you know that Rihanna and J.R. Smith dated for a little while there? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Good on you, J.R. Wild. And Rihanna, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, everything all right? <laughs> <laughs> is your head okay? Like, did you bump it a lot? Then the most ridiculous, crash-worthy, unimaginable relationship in basketball history is Delonte West and LeBron James's mom. Oh, right. Of course. How would I? Oh, of course it is. I forgot. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think this qualified as a relationship. <laughs> and now, for everyone who didn't know this, yeah... I said LeBron James's mom. These rumors were rampant during LeBron James's final season in Cleveland in 2010 before he went to Miami. While these rumors and innuendos were never confirmed, there is some circumstantial evidence. Legend says that Delonte West told LeBron during the 2010 series when they were playing the Celtics, and then the game which people suspect he was told, LeBron James played terribly. He played so bad. (laughs) And they're blaming the fact that Delonte West hooked up with his mom. It would be earth shattering because if you look at Delonte West, he's a very strange looking dude. And he's He's also a a huge, he's a huge douche. There was a game later on in his career where he gave Gordon Hayward a wet willy in the middle of a game. Nope. This is a grown man. I just like, what do you even do with yourself as LeBron? Like, imagine, just like in general, like you're at your job. You leave Cleveland and you go to Miami and then you win two NBA championships. That's what you do. Exactly. Like anyone would do. You leave town and go somewhere warm where you can hang out on the beach and just ignore it. Mike, let's just do some quick role playing here. Who am I going to be? Not You're Delonte. just going to just be like a guy. Like, okay, you're whew. just a random guy. I'm not Delonte West. <laughs> no, you're just a random man. Okay, cool. What's your job? I, I want a cool random person job. You uh, work in the morgue. How's that? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm a personal stylist for a famous Hollywood actor who likes to make bold fashion choices. 
All right, so you're the personal stylist. You're going about your day. Getting weird fabrics to turn into pants. It's like, oh, look at this suede. I'm going to turn it into some jean shorts. It's yep. suede shorts. Some sh- some sw- some schwartz. Some schwartz. <laughs> your coworker who sources all of the weird fabrics comes up to you. Mm-hmm. And here, here's how it's going to play out. So, Mike, you're, you're going to start just looking through fabrics. Look at all these fabrics. Ooh, I can make these into suede jean shorts. I'll call them schwartz. <laughs> Oh, hey, Mike, I didn't see you there. What's going on? Oh, hello, Frederico. How is it? It's going. Good. <laughs> it's good, Mike. <laughs> Here, Here's the suede you were looking for. Oh, perfect. These will look great on my new Schwartz. So, Mike, I just wanted to tell you, I've been hooking up with your mom for a while. <laughs> I beg your pardon? Yeah, like we've been like hooking up. I just want to let you know, I thought it was weird that I didn't tell you. And you told me this during the Oscars? This is an allegory for Delonte was doing it during the NBA playoffs. Oh, good. <laughs> the best part about metaphors is when you explain what they're a metaphor for. I, I, I wanted people to get it. You told me this during the Oscars? Yeah, I thought it was a really opportune time to tell you about us banging. Well, I'm leaving this fashion industry, and I'm going to make Schwartz for other famous people, leaving you hopeless, and you're going to get traded to a worse team. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. I made so many mistakes. Have fun on the Boston Celtics before they win an NBA championship. <laughs> but I'm in personal styling. And see. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Vice Sports actually did a really interesting piece on Delonte West, and he was talking about his son. And he said that, I named my son Cash after Cassius Clay and Johnny Cash. His middle name is Delonte, but I didn't want to name him Delonte West Jr. because of that. I don't want my son to go to school and have people making fun of him for something his daddy did. Oh, didn't your daddy have sex with LeBron James's mom? Man, I don't want to deal with all that. So it sounds like he definitely did it. Okay, it sounds like he did, but also, I don't want to name my kid Delonte so that people don't make fun of him. So I'm going to name him Cash. After Johnny Cash, the country I'm going to name him Cash, and he's not going to get made fun of for having the name Cash. Cash West. Oh, woof. Pretty much. Come on, name him Robert. I know that kids try to tease every single name, but if his name's Robert, there's no thing to make fun of for a guy being named robert it doesn't rhyme with anything bad blobber call him bobby oh got him (laughs) got him all right so let's take a moment and think about baron davis and laura dern again oh i feel so much better they're so good and that is my three on three wow look at that i learned so many things three of which i'm glad i learned three of which i wish i hadn't (laughs) (laughs) same Well, that brings us to our final segment. In similar vein of wondering if that actually happened, this one's called That Actually Happened. Whoa, that actually happened. Hey, Eric, did you know that one time a game of cards led to nearly a shootout in an NBA locker room in Washington, (laughs) D.C.? I did know this, but I want to hear the gory details about it. So the inspiration for me choosing this tale was a new story published by the Action Network last week about this famous debacle between Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenton. Before we get into the story, I was looking up some stats of Gilbert Arenas for research purposes, and Basketball Reference lists every nickname of basketball players, and usually this list of nicknames contains ones that are not very popular, so ones that he was actually called were Agent Zero and Hibachi because he got hot so quickly, and Agent Zero because his number was zero, but his other nicknames include Nacho, General, and Black President. (laughs) (laughs) Which, what? (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) All very bad. (laughs) Anyway, so this story took place in December of 2009. The Washington Wizards were on their flight after a game, and they were playing the card game of Bure. Bure is a very popular game in sports culture, but in the NBA, it is the game. It is the card game. It is so popular that Bobby Portis of the Chicago Bulls was quoted as saying that a lot of his teammates choose to play this card game for up to six hours at a time rather than go out drinking to the club. First of all, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And also, I want to ask you, how do you play Bure? Basically, kind of like a hybrid between poker and spades and hearts. Spades and hearts, you try to win individual hands, 
and poker, you do things where you have your hand of cards and then you can give some cards back and get some more. It's basically a shorter version of spades and allows for more betting, which is why it's more popular because as we've discussed in the past, NBA players are so competitive that they love to bet on anything and everything and Bure allows for a lot of that and very high stakes because in a typical game of Bure, there are about four to five players and every time around you do a hand, you've got five cards and it goes around for each of the players, so say four or five times. And if by the end of that five times, a player does not win any of the hands, they are booed, meaning that they need to then match the pot, basically doubling it. So oh, no. it can get really bad and really frustrating if you start losing because you're not only losing the money that you ante in, but then you also have to match whatever money is in the pot. So it's very bad if you're not playing very well. That's wild. And you know who wasn't playing very well on this fateful day? Javaris Crittenton. Oh, no. So, <laughs> this is what sparked all of it. It was a long flight for Javaris in that he was not doing very well. He had already lost a lot of money, and Gilbert Arenas was sleeping in the back of the plane. He woke up, and he saw that this very heated game of Bure was going down, and he noticed that Javaris was struggling and getting very upset about it. So he decided that he was going to jump in and make things worse. <laughs> so Gilbert has so many good quotes in this article released by the Action Network. Gilbert said, quote, Javaris had gotten booed twice already, so he's had to match the pot total twice, which is a lot. I walk into the game when he gets booed on his own deal. Booed on his own deal. I mean, this man was bleeding. So another aspect of Bure, when you are the dealer, you have an inherent advantage because you get to pick the Trump suit after you look at your cards. Javaris has just come off of doing the most frustrating thing in the entire game. And then Gilbert jumps into the game. He says, quote, I'm already hyped because there's $1,100 in the pot. I smell the blood. I came in on my deal and he's already effing livid. He's all heat. This is bullshit. How are you going to come in the game? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't do anything productive when I wake up from being asleep. So I'm not really sure how <laughs> Gilbert Arenas has put this all together in his head just after waking up on a plane for that matter. And then he's thinking like, oh, I'm going to ruin everyone's day. Javars was especially mad because the point in the table in which Gilbert entered allowed Gilbert to be the first dealer and Javaris to go last, which puts him at the most significant disadvantage because he gets to exchange his cards last. Javaris is seeing the writing on the wall. He's very upset, and he's trying to argue with Gilbert that he shouldn't be able to do this. But Gilbert started talking more smack to Javaris. Gilbert in the article says, quote, I'm talking my good old shit, saying things like, ooh, yeah, baby, don't fall asleep now. Gilbert also noted that when any... <laughs> Gilbert also noticed that when anybody in the game was doing poorly, he would hit the airplane stewardess button and say, oh, no, we have a jumper. Tell the pilot we have a jumper, people. Oh, no. not, not a great <laughs> joke that he's making suicide jokes, but he is certainly egging on Javars Crittenton. I just like I like the prop comedy of it. <laughs> yeah, the prop element of it is very nice, but I do like using the stewardess button. I hope the stewardess didn't actually come over and think that something was happening because that would have been very inconvenient if he continued to do this bit over and over again. This sounds like a bit that he did more than once, so I think the oh, stewardess yes. probably figured it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they tell what seat it's coming from. Oh, it's just Gilbert. No, oh, Gilbert. So, he needs to stay away from those buttons. <laughs> so they get to the first hand that Gilbert Arenas is playing, and he can tell that JaVale McGee who is also in on this game, has a very good hand because when it comes to the part in which you exchange cards, JaVale McGee exchanges zero cards, meaning that his hand is already very good. Arenas recognizes this, so he folds. But Crittenton was going to lose again and get booed, so he had to do an all-out move to try to win. So he swapped all five of his cards, which is clearly a desperation move. After this fateful hand finishes... Gilbert Arenas goes back to the back of the plane and goes back to sleep, <laughs> which is a power move. So he literally just came in, doubled the pot, because when you come into a new game, you have to double the pot to pay the entry fee, I guess, so to speak. He doubled the pot, then made it so Javaris Crittenton lost the hand and then had to double the already doubled pot. And then he just left and went back to sleep. I need this power. I need Gilbert Arenas' <laughs> ability to turn his body on and off. This dude is nuts. So the plane lands, which then means the game of Bure 
day ends, and Javaris is very upset. He thinks that JaVale should give him an opportunity to win his money back, thinking it's very cheap that he's not letting him do so. And Javaris says that this is the kind of stuff that gets you messed up in the streets. Gilbert overhears this, so he wakes up just in time. <laughs> he hears this, and he goes over to Javaris and says, Javaris, I will burn your car while you're in it. Then we'll find a, a fire extinguisher what? to help your ass out. What? <laughs> No, this escalated too quickly. Yep. And Javaris replies saying, well, I'll just shoot you then. And Gilbert replies to that saying, man, I'll bring you the guns to shoot me. I know this is really like, this is really heightened, but I also like to imagine that they're trying to like get off the plane while it's going. So like they're pulling luggage (laughs) from the overhead bins and they have to like walk sideways. <laughs> Someone, the coach is like, just trying to get his bag out of the overhead. Can I just get my backpack, please, guys? It's, it's, I just really need. I get it. Can, can I just go? I just, I keep my my neck pillows over there. I just, I left it back there. So at practice two days later, Arenas then brings four unloaded guns into the wizard's locker room and lays them out on the table. Two of these guns are very notable because one of them is a Smith & Wesson Model 29, which is the same gun used by Dirty Harry. And another one was a gold-plated Desert Eagle, the same gun used by Nicolas Cage in the movie Face Off. So I think it's very funny that, yeah, I think it's very funny that two of the guns are just very famous guns used in popular films. I just imagine Gilbert Arenas watching these movies and thinking, hmm, I gotta get that gun from that movie. (laughs) I have no doubt that he, he saw face off and was like yo i want to be just like nick cage <laughs> the other thing about that gun and face off i've watched face off multiple times and that gun is so golden reflective that i thought it was fake i was shocked <laughs> to learn that that is a real gun that you can purchase i'm more confused the fact that gilbert arenas like got a vintage gun like he has what two he vintage with- guns I learned from Pawn Stars that a vintage firearm is from before 1890. So it's not actually uh, vintage, but like 60 to 70 years old is still a pretty buck wild thing to have like on your person. Yes. So Gilbert's justification for this was that it was, quote, about me calling his bluff. You say you're going to shoot me? Fine. I'll bring you the guns to do it. So Gilbert tells Javaris to pick one. But Javaris says, oh, no, you don't need to shoot me with one of those. Javaris said, then turning around slowly cocking a gun that is loaded and pointing it at Gilbert Arenas's face saying, I've got one right here. Now, clearly this no! escalates us even further, not trying to defend Gilbert Arenas bringing guns, but Gilbert Arenas brought four unloaded guns. Javaris Crittenton has cocked a loaded gun at Gilbert Arenas's face. The article then goes on to say that everyone else in the locker room was very confused and got out of the locker room very quickly. Can you imagine like you're, you just got out of the shower, you're trying to change into your clothes, and then all of a sudden your teammates might be shooting each other five feet away from you? Guys, I just got to get my shorts. I, just give me one second. I'm sorry. I just got <laughs> I left my neck pillow. Can you please? <laughs> my neck pillow's in my locker. I really need it. So obviously news of this got out. I'm assuming the players ran out in the hallway and told somebody important what was happening. Both players were given probation on gun charges and suspended for the rest of the season. Javars Crinton never played in an NBA game again. And in 2015, he was sentenced to 23 years in prison for a gang-related shooting. At one point, Javaris Crinton played for the Los Angeles Clippers in his career, and there were a lot of rumors that he had joined the Crips at this point, so it's somewhat not of a surprise. Gilbert went on to play for a couple more years, but his career was never the same. Just to put it in perspective, so this happened in the 2009-2010 season, where Gilbert Arenas was averaging 23 points a game. The year after this incident went down, though, he only averaged 10.8 points a game, 2.7 rebounds a game and four assists per game. And he only played two more years after that. And they were both very bad. He retired and it just, this was the beginning of the downfall of his career. All in all, this is just unfortunate. It's a very unfortunate story. Thankfully, nobody ended up getting hurt from it, but it's one of the most wild situations that has ever taken place in the NBA. And it all started because of a card game. I did not know a lot of those details. I just knew that it happened and it was crazy, but like that all escalated extremely quickly, extremely quickly. And the thing to consider is that 
it wasn't a comical amount of money. And this is something that Gilbert Arenas wanted to set the record straight about, which was the point of him doing this oral history article. He wanted it to be known that it wasn't about gambling debts. When you think about it, there was $1,100 to start, then that got doubled to $2,200, and then Javars had to double that. So we're talking about $4,400 in addition to whatever Javars was losing on the flight, like let's say $10,000 max. These dudes make more than that in a quarter. So clearly it's not about the money. It's just about the intensity of the situation. And a lot of the article talks about how popular this game is and how so much of the game is just the competitive element. And what's so ridiculous is that this game is so much based on luck. It is so heavily reliant on what cards you get. The fact that these guys can take it to such an extreme level just kind of speaks to how competitive some NBA players are and it's unfortunate that it led to something like this and thankfully I don't think there's been anything remotely close to the situation since it went down in 2009 no not at all but that actually happened I cannot believe that actually happened I don't know what Gilbert Arenas's thought was to escalate the situation there are just like many moments here where he's like you know what I'm gonna do I'm going to make it worse yeah it's not good not not good Though, Mike, if you do show up to my locker room and you bring me something from Face Off, it better be John Travolta's face. I would probably just bring you the doves from that one scene. (laughs) All all the doves. In slow motion. I'd bring four doves and I'd be like, pick one. (laughs) I'm not with that. Or bring me four faces and then make me pick one. (laughs) Ooh, that could be very fun. And I'm going to turn around and be like, I want that one. And I'm pointing to your face. And then we switch faces and no one knows who we are. Oh, man. Face off. (laughs) Part two. Horse edition. Two face. Two off. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Horse. But thanks for listening, everyone. And Eric, thanks for joining along. I am so happy to be here. I learned so much. And I'm just going to keep thinking about Baron Davis and Laura Dern to get me through Mm -hmm. these dark times. Ah, so good. So, so good. They're so pure. And Baron Davis has such a good beard. And Laura Dern deserves to be happy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The theme song is by Patina Campomanes. Art is by Allison Wakeman. And the website is by Kelly Beckman. And thank you to our producer-level patrons, Teal and Samuel Miner. You can find us all over the internet. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Horse Hoops. You can find us on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops. Because as we say every single episode, Horse, Horse Hoops, Hoops was, was banned. banned. You can also find us on our website where we give more notes and we give some more context to the things that we say on the internet at horsehoops.com or you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash horsehoops. Horse is a part of Multitude. Multitude is an independent audio collective with a bunch of amazing programs such as Spirits, Potterless, Join the Party, and Waystation. There are some amazing podcasts. If you need to get your fix of pods, you can learn more about Multitude at multitude.productions. It's so many pods. I just can't deal with all the pods. But as we wrap up every single episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and on the count of three, say something just like a basketball team does. Okay, I got this one. All right, on three, we're going to say, Laura Dern deserves happiness. I like it. (laughs) Okay, on three. One, One, two, two, three. Laura Dern deserves happiness. (laughs) She does, and I think she found it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.